And welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I'm joined, as always, by the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, my colleague and co-host, Michael Lagaris, everyone. What's up, people? What's going on? And of course, we're joined by the number one tight end in the history of Maris football. Okay, guys, go look it up. He's a legend in school. The statue's all over the place to him. You love him. Big stinking Wookie, Nicholas Kronk. What's going on, everybody? By the way, you will not find any such records that Keith speaks of if you go to Maris College and look at my full sets. <laughs> Man, you know what's going on with this guy. Um, look, everybody, just right off the bat, I want to let you know I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. The boys on the pod know I was dying for the last couple of days here, and I'm feeling a little bit better today. So if my energy level sounds a little bit less than normal, it's not because I'm sad about the Jets or anything else. Um, it's just the sickness in my body and all the medicine pumping through me, but I will do my best to do a great job today for you guys. And I was thinking today, Mike, you know, it's not like football's that serious or a podcast that serious that you need to fight through illness, but there's a million different things people can do with their time podcasts they can listen to you know shows they can listen to youtube videos movies etc so if anyone does choose to take a time to listen to abg we always appreciate it and if we could put out a show for you we always will um and also real quick before we get to jet stuff want to give a shout out to the weapons hot podcast they're taking a little bit of a hiatus i know cj and those guys have been doing it a long time especially cj's been there a long time doing it kevin jackson everyone over there do a great job taking a little bit of a hiatus he just taking a little bit mental mental health break for himself I mean, the Jets can, you know, drive you into the ground. I totally understand that. But, Mike, I just wanted to tip my cap to the Weapon Todd podcast. They always do a great job. Um, and CJ and those guys, I love all those guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I hope they uh, enjoy the time off and then can't wait to talk Jets when they get back. Exactly, man. And today what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to break down these wide receivers for you heading into the draft. Now, last week, we were lucky enough to have a great guest. Come on, help us out. Talk about Kayvon Thibodeau. Talk about the edge rushers. This week, we didn't need a guest. We don't need to get anyone from any schools. We don't need to call up a beat reporter because we have our own expert, guys. His name is Michael Garris. This man has been looking at tape. He's been looking at scouting reports. He went through every single piece of film you can imagine in regards to these wide receivers. And if you think I'm joking, you should see the notes that Mike sent me in the Wookiee. Mike has prepared for this show for two weeks. He's ready to roll. Mike, have you ever gone this deep, this deep into the data and the film review as you did for this show? It's wild. The only other time maybe was when I was looking at the quarterbacks, but it was only three of them. It was Zach and it was looking at Dan Sam and looking and it wasn't this amount. And the thing is, the whole time we've been Jet fans, the last time we were fully in on a wide receiver potentially this high in the draft, I mean, was what, Keyshawn Johnson back in 1996? I don't remember another draft where it's like, yo, check out the all the wide receivers. They're all in play. So it was kind of exciting for me. And uh, no, I've never done this type of analysis before uh, this in depth, and I'm excited to share what I found. Yeah, Mike, and you did a great job. Thank you for doing all that work for us. So what we're going to do today, Mike's going to lay out his top 10 wide receivers heading into this draft. Now, oh, wait, hold on a second. I think we have Cousins. Uh, there he uh, is. Um, welcome to the show, number one high school football coach in America, Samuel here. What's up, bro? He's in the building. He's going to have to speak. He, just, if you're listening on the audio version of this, just assume he's there. Okay, yeah, everybody. Just, okay. everybody. <laughs> there you go. And Sammy, we're about to jump into this. Um, the Mike's top ten 
wide receivers in so far as the draft goes. Everybody knows we've got four. Everybody knows we have 10. Um, we also have those two picks in the second round there, which might even be, depending on how things shake out, might be where we do select a wide receiver. So what Mike did was he went through, did the research. He's going to go through his top 10 in a second, and we're going to walk through it with him. Before we do that, a few notes here with the Jets I want to touch on, Mike. Ryan Griffin got released. I don't think that's a surprise. We went ahead and got those two receivers, in free, uh, two tight ends in free agency, Conklin and Ozoma. Um, we saved three million bucks cutting Griffin. You could probably expect Van Roten to get cut before the season starts to save about 3.5 million there. As of right now, the Jets have $17.9 million in cap space. That's ninth in the NFL, so they're still in a good place when it comes to money. And the only other thing I want to point out to everyone, if you go on ESPN.com and you check out a Rich Samini article we put out in the last couple days comparing everything that's happened the past year with the Panthers and the Jets since that trade that we made with them to get all those picks and to go on and trade Sam Darnold down there. You know, the Panthers went five and 12 last year. The Jets went four and 13. We have pick 38 this year because of that. Just a complete disaster for the Panthers. So if you want to see another reason why Joe Douglas, um, we need to sort of reckon that statue for him. Take a look at that. And guys, let's just get right into it. Cause I know Mike's ready to burst at the seams with all this data he has at his fingertips. <laughs> he wants to get into the top 10 wide receivers. Let's get into it. Mike Lagaris's top 10 NFL draft prospects. Let's go. Welcome back. Let's roll right into it. This is Mike's top 10. We might throw a few other little tidbits here at you guys. Um, and we're preparing for Mock Madness, which you know is always a blast, Mike. We've managed to do pretty well the last two years with our Mock Madness. But we're sticking just to receiver here. Michael, why don't you start it off? Let everybody know your number. We'll go We'll go in descending order here. We'll go from 10 to 1. Build some suspense along the way, Mike. That's how you do it when you're a professional at this. That's what we're going to do right now. Um, your number 10 receiver, Mike. Prospect in the draft. Who you got? So, guys, before I get to my number 10, I just want to kind of lay the groundwork. My top 10 are based on what I feel they can be in the NFL, not where they are currently today, because a lot of different people are going to say, well, that's a definitely a different, a better prospect. There was better production. Production's nice, but, but there's a lot of projection here, a lot of what type of skills translate to the next level, right? So, my view of this was a ranking of who I think would be potentially the best in the NFL, and I did it in that way. So just want to lay that out. So my my there was a lot. This this draft class is incredibly deep. I want everyone to know that. You know, I've never done an analysis the way like this before, um, and going through all the different uh, prospects out there in the 2022 draft from a receiver perspective, this is a very, very deep class. And there's a lot of guys that I have like uh, as honorable mentions, I'll bring some of those names up, but starting at 10, I picked Justin Ross from the university of Clemson. The reason I did that is one, I love his size, six, three, 205 pounds. That's a big guy right there. And Ross, unfortunately, now you look at the production last year, 514 yards, three touchdowns, 11 yards per, per reception. Yeah, what's so special about that, right? Well, guess what? Back when he was a freshman, his production was elite. He led Clemson in receiving yards, and he didn't even start a single game. Caught 46 passes for a th over 1,000 yards, and check this, 21.7 yards per reception. That is ridiculous. He had nine scores on in 15 games. That was the national championship game with Clemson. Um, his skills that really translate, he's really long, has great body control, and he has a massive, massive catch radius, uh, which is really, really important. Um, he has some elite ball skills. But honestly, he is a projection. Before his injury, he was definitely a top prospect, but the guy had spinal surgery. So yeah. I don't know how things are going to end up in the NFL, but I'm saying, guys, this dude, we get him in the later rounds. I really, really like what his future potentially could be. If it wasn't for that injury, we could be talking about one of the top prospects in the NFL draft. Yeah, you see now when you look at these projections for him, Mike, most of the projections have maybe late second, even into the fourth. 
you know, I mean, that's just a, it's not an approximation, but who the heck knows where he's going to go. But before that injury is after his freshman year, they were saying, oh, well, when this 2022 draft comes, that kid's going to be top of the first round guy. So that's what Mike's basically getting at. This is like a risk reward chance here. So you take him third or fourth round. I'd feel comfortable with that. I, if they took him in the second round, it might be a little risky because he did have spinal surgery. Like Mike said, there was a bulging disc. I do think he has um, had to have a spinal fusion surgery, which is, you know, you're playing NFL football. He's a big guy. Um, but that's still a little sketchy to me. But you do see most projections have him anywhere from 10 to 15. So I think Mike's right on the money here. The injury concerns there. But as we go through the list, guys, there's a lot of dudes who have injury concerns. A lot of ACLs for really good receivers last year that missed time. A bunch of dudes. I know Mike's number nine guy is someone that on a lot of lists you see ranked a little bit higher from Penn State, uh, Jahan Dotson, Mike. He's someone that you said you liked but you didn't really see him as a top five guy like some of these other lists had him, right, Mike? Yeah, no, I mean, Jahan Dotson, I had to put him here. Look, there were other receivers that I liked actually, like from the tape, better than him. Khalil Shakir, uh, I thought Jalen Tolbert, you know, some of those guys, uh, even maybe potentially George Pickens, uh, who was a large receiver out of Georgia, but was hurt with an ACL to your point about injuries. Um, so a lot of those guys, I, I just liked you know, just as good as a prospect, but I could not ignore the production of, you know, over a thousand. So of all the receivers, he had the third best production rank really of uh, 1182 yards. He had 12 touchdowns, averaged uh, 13 yards per reception, um, you know, and again, does projection translate to the NFL? Not really all the time. His attributes, he does have great hands. He he dropped only two catches out of 93 catchable targeted balls last season. That's incredible. He has good body control. He's got competitive toughness. He's a great route runner. He He's kind of like, and I don't mean it, he's kind of like a poor man's Garrett Wilson, if you will. Like, he's not as good as Garrett Wilson. He's really good at route running and doing certain things, but he's... His ceiling is very, very. Uh, it, his ceiling is is low, um, meaning you know you, you know you're you're going to get what you're going to get. But he doesn't have. Excuse me. Yeah, his ceiling is low. He doesn't really have a lot of potential, in my opinion. So he has outstanding quickness. He has ability to catch deep balls. He's fluid, um, but I just don't don't think he has a a really high ceiling there. There's nothing great. You know, I, I know what you mean, but I will say one thing that I liked about Dotson is that when you go through his college stats, I mean, he had a decent 40 times, so we know he has the speed mic and we know he has the hands. But when you go through his college statistics, every year of college, he improved. So when he was a rookie, 13 catches for 203, sophomore year, 27 for 488, junior year, 52 for 884. And then last year, 91 catches for, like Mike said, almost 1,200 yards. He was actually um, 12th in the nation when it comes to receptions, too. So he was he was pretty good last year. So um, I know what Mike's getting at. And, and when we have Elijah Moore, do we necessarily want to get a redundant player? Who knows? If he was a game-breaker like a Tyree Kill at that, that height, we don't really care. But since we have a guy kind of slotted in like that already, would he be a guy that would help us? I think what Mike's looking for and what a lot of Jet fans are looking for is a different type of receiver, a big receiver, a big play receiver. So, so let me ask this. One thing that I didn't like about him was that I do like the fact that he got better every year. That's always an awesome sign. So that that is absolutely a positive. The one, one of the biggest negatives I took from him was his yak ability. So if you watch the tape, every time he gets touched, he goes down. So I wanted to ask Nick or, or uh, Sammy, you know, how important is that? Like, if you're seeing a guy already, like Keith just rattled it off. Like he had a ton of receptions, ton of production, yards. He's got the whole profile. But, you know, you touch the guy, he falls down, right? Do you, what, do you, what do you think about something like that at the next level? Well, where is uh, Tutu Atwell right now? <laughs> so I, I can totally understand where you're coming from, Mike. I mean... There's, they, the players like that are electrifying because of their speed, their, sills, their you know, their skill set. But it usually comes with the price of or the trade off of fragility. And it, it, nothing to say that they're not working out or training their bodies. It's just they're a little bit frailer and it's, right. or, or more injury prone. Um, but obviously, the best ability is availability. So if he if he's going to be, you know, pulling the old uh, I'm on the soccer pitch, somebody sneezed on me. Bah, 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> It's not going to be that helpful for people. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're not if you're not generating those yak yards when you're in college, it's not going to get easier in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, that's just not how it works, guys. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna there's defensive ends that could just arm tackle a guy of his size. You know, um, I know I know what you're getting at, Mike. Another guy, another guy you have here, Mike. That's also not the biggest receiver at number eight, but is a yards after catch monster. Is your number eight? Oh my goodness, guys. <laughs> Nick, don't be steal stealing my dude in Dynasty football now. Sky Moore, Western Michigan. He isn't the biggest guy, 5'10", 195 pounds, about 200. Number two in production ranking on the board, 1292, almost 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, average 13.6 receptions uh, uh, per uh, yards per reception. His nuances to the game really, really translate lately translate very well to the national football league the footwork this guy has the head fakes forcing the missed he had the most forced missed tackles in the entire fbs last year incredible elusiveness quickness plays with strength he's a polished route runner he has phenomenal separation separation to me now now here's the knock on him he played at western michigan okay like that's that's maybe a level above where uh, uh, Los Huevos University plays at, Ju Juco, two around there. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not, it's, not, it's not Los Huevos University, uh, Ju Juco, but it's like a level above. You know what I'm saying? So he was scraping you know, cats that really don't belong anywhere. But when you look at the tape and you look at what he was able to do and that the, the, the abilities that he has covering ground and being able to execute there's no question that this guy has a future i really really like sky more i wanted to put him up higher but it is because he plays at western michigan i did not yeah they didn't play one ranked team last year yeah so i know what you mean mike i mean you always got to take that with a grain of salt sometimes when it comes to the quarterbacks we do the same thing with these guys um if they don't play great competition you got to do the same thing with the receivers great production uh, from him though was. <laughs> great uh production from him he's basically like the human juke move in madden like mike said difficult to bring down difficult to tackle 510 195 not the biggest guy but 195 is pretty solid for 510 um playing i mean primarily played out of the slot mike we have elijah moore but i think elijah moore can line up on the outside too i think he's talented enough to do that if they wanted to make that move with him um mike let's get over to a little darling another little gem in your top 10 here that maybe not a lot of people know of because Cincinnati's not a school a lot of people follow until last year when they made that run, Mike. Who's their number oh, seven guy? Oh, man. 6'3", 211. Okay. Imagine Jordy Nelson, but with another gear. Okay. He had he has this guy, the arguably the second best speed combination, size combination in the draft. Okay. And this is Alex Pierce out of Cincinnati. He had a 884 yards, eight TDs. 17 yards per reception. He did go to a smaller school, didn't really like to throw the ball. But when you see this guy, he's blowing everybody away. Just go turn on the tape. He's just blowing people away. Guy has like a whole nother get like Wiley Coyote. When you throw it, when he gets on the dynamite, explodes off the thing. That's what he's like. It's incredible. He has elite, elite speed. Okay. Ran one of the fastest 40s in the entire draft at six foot three, 211 pounds. He struggled a little bit in the senior bowl. So. That's a little bit of a, ooh, what was going on there? So his stock may have kind of tumbled just a bit, but elite speed. He's a crisp route runner. He's able to separate at the top of the class better than any, almost better than anybody as far as separation is concerned. He's a home run threat, meaning just throw it up, you know, strong frame. He has amazing leaping ability i saw some of this stuff on the tape he just goes and gets the ball like i said it's like a jordy nelson speed like elite speed um but he does struggle a little bit against press coverage unfortunately and his route running can be a bit pre predictable um he doesn't have the greatest get off so there's one thing with speed that once you get going and you're just flying by super speed but there's another thing like to get off and just jump off the blocks right and just you know wig people out he doesn't have the greatest he's not the best at that so um he does need some refinement on his route running um but yeah he's uh he's exciting 
and I don't know where he's going to go. He has that speed and size, and guys like that to me are going to be very successful in the NFL, especially if he goes to a team that's built uh, for a guy like him. Yeah, his for uh, his forty time at the combine was a four point three three. Son, you're six three two eleven, moving like that. That's that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Also, Mike, number one vertical leap of any wide receiver at the combine to forty point five inches. That's impressive as well. Son. Great hands. I know he might not have had a big game. I know Alabama completely shut him down in the national title game. That's not great to see. But when they played Notre Dame, he destroyed my boys. I didn't even know who this kid was before that game. He had 150 yards. I think he only had like five or six catches. It was a nightmare. So that's when he got put on my radar and the SEFL radar as well. And I was like, who is this guy just murdering my boys right now? <laughs> but like you said, Mike, um, the quarterback for Cincinnati last year, I think was Ritter. And if you look at the, the passing stats last year, he the reason that team was pretty good last year, Cincy, is they distributed the ball pretty evenly. Yeah, I think if a guy like um, Pierce was playing on a different college offense that was more focused on just two or three targets, this is a kid that could have put up ridiculous numbers. I think that was a byproduct of kind of what that Cincy offense did last year. If you went back and look what they did on offense, um, they spread the ball out pretty well. They were 13-1 last year. He was the leading receiver on the team. What's interesting, when I looked at the SI.com rankings, and I I lean more towards where you have this kid ranked. I think he's going to be pretty good, Mike. They had him ranked 14th SI.com. I don't think yeah. there's 13 I don't think there's thirteen better receivers in this kid. No. Um <laughs> And, but I do, I do want to call you out for comparing every fast, white, tall receiver to Jordy Nelson. It's just not right, Mike. <laughs> I mean, I got to put you on blast because there's other guys out there. I, I, got, I, know, I, I, I know you didn't want to go down that route, but you did it. I had, yeah, to, I had to say Jordy Nelson just because I'm just playing. Of the way I'm just playing. It, 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 he, he, that's what he looks like to me, the way he catches the ball. He, he goes after it with two hands. Look at – just turn that tape on. He's just – after the ball like that, but obviously Jordy wasn't the fastest guy in the world. But this guy, he was, has... he was decently fast, Jordy. But yeah. I, I know I'm just I'm just busting your chops. I, I I can't wait. I basically got dragged my ass out of bed just to talk about this number six here. All right, guys, I was on my deathbed when I saw Mike's rankings, and I saw number six. I know it's going to cause some controversy here, Michael. I know where most people have this player ranked is very high. Where Michael has him ranked, number six. So I'm going to lead off to you, tee you up, Michael. Let everybody know who your number six overall receiver for this NFL draft is. It's Garrett Wilson out of Iowa State. I think ceiling is not that high, just like Jahan Dotson. He's got the production, 10, 58, 12 touchdowns, 15-point uh, yards yard for reception, number five in production overall in the prospects that we're, that I'm looking at right now. But his ceiling isn't high. I mean, he there's nothing about him. Okay, um, Sammy, from a skills perspective, not production, not Ohio State and touchdowns and blah, 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 blah. Skills, there's nothing rare about him. He's a good prospect. He's not a great prospect. He's a safe bet for immediate value add right now. You know, he comes on the Jets, he's going to do pretty decent. But like I said, what am I judging? what you can be and he has a smaller frame you know even though he ran in the four threes uh at the combine initially um you know i don't see that speed uh that translates to the game just kind of like how mims ran that four three and we didn't really see it in game speed i don't see that game speed on tape i, I watched that okay um he's he is a great route runner and he works well off releases overall like I said, he's a good receiver. His ability to generate separation is probably top of the class. That's where that's one thing he does really well. He does great with separation. Um, and he also produced at the high level from both the slot and the outside. 73.4% um, um, was uh, uh, from the slot. So his best traits really, like I said, ability to separate is route running and he has strong ability to get tacklers. Um, to miss but overall when I look at him you know I think he's good but I think he's overrated what, what do you think Sammy yeah um, I didn't get to say this earlier but shout out to Western Michigan our boy Corey Davis went there I don't know if you guys knew that <laughs> yeah I think the Wookiee uh -huh. said that before <laughs> and but with Garrett Wilson I don't know it depends on what you value and what kind of defenses you're playing against I guess because for a guy like Garrett Wilson if you've got a lot of really good corners, then that ability to create space and get off the line means more to the more to you 
than a dude who can kind of take the ball downfield and be that big play guy you need because you may need somebody who's going to work in the slot or at least take pressure off of some other guys in your offense. So I think if he fits with your program, I think he could be really good. But like you said, you, you can't take that size and skill, and he does have a very small frame. Sure, he runs fast, and he may have that like general quickness, which is different than speed, so he's got a little bit of both. But I don't, I don't really see him being anything tremendously special. I have to agree with you here. Um, I think he's really overrated comparatively. We'll get to your top your list. I love your number three. He's my favorite guy. Oh, okay. he's my favorite too. Can he's I just throw one thing guy? in here? He's Mike, my favorite. <laughs> one of your notes, and I won't give it away, but one of your notes for number three said his game speed from his 40 time translates to the field, unlike Denzel Mims. That's an actual note you put in. Just oh, that was my favorite. That was my favorite thing. Of all the notes you did, that was my favorite thing to read there, Michael. I will say, and I, I agree, I, I know what you're saying, Sammy. And Ohio State receivers have been a little bit underwhelming, the pros as well. We've gone this route before on the Jets, Devin Smith. I mean, that was a nightmare for us. But. I mean, I probably have him rated a little higher than Mike. I think most people have him rated a little higher than Mike based off where he's – Mike doesn't see him projecting as an elite receiver. Um, and then when you look at the stats, it's not like he had ridiculous stats like some of these guys from Alabama or some of these other receivers. Um, he did improve every year. His yak was pretty good, 40 times good. I know um, the routes are good. But like Mike said, the game speed, he didn't see it when he looked at the film. That's how Mike feels. Now, before we get into the mock madness, we'll go a little deeper into it. But he still has him ranked near the top five. It's not like it's too outlandish, Mike. Most, most places you look have Garrett Wilson or London as 1A or 1B. Um, so I'm interested to see. I know that listeners are very interested to hear who your top five are here right now. Why don't you get into number five, Mike? Number five is his teammate, Chris Olave, Ohio State, six foot, 187 pounds, about the same, almost the same size. He had 936 yards receiving, um, 13 touchdowns, 14.4 per clip. Look, Chris, to me, from what I saw on the tape, this isn't an analyst. Anybody, this is me, Mike Ligaris, talking. He's the best route runner in the class. He has outstanding understanding of the full route tree, in my opinion, and possesses elite 4-3 speed along with his outstanding route running. Uh, he creates separation and can definitely go to another gear when tracking the ball, which is incredible. And he has, unlike Garrett Wilson, home run hitting potential so this guy can fly and i i just like his versatility more and i would love if the jets got this guy i i really would because i think i think he could be a beast okay and his game translates uh his speed translates into game if you watch he has elite route running he's elite route running he has speed he has the best hands in the draft that's my opinion that's what i saw on tape I think he's got the best hands in the entire draft. His Mike. start, his start stop ability is unbelievable. Can stop on a dime. I mean, this guy, he starts, turns, looks, goes. I didn't see anybody that could do it like the way he did it. Um, and he has consistency in finishing and naturally tracking the ball as it's um, you know up in the air. Now he does have some holes. He's not really a yak guy. I get it. And Yak is really important. We just talked about it. So you touch him, he goes down. Um, he has to put some weight on because he is frail. The wind blows. And like I said, he goes out of the stadium. He lacks strength to really push through tackles. Um, you know, there's really nothing super elite from him except for um, his speed and cat and his, his hands. And I would say his, his ceiling would be like, one of the best slot guys in the NFL could be a really, really good wide receiver too. I don't think I could ever see him as like a Tyree kill or anything like that. But, um, but I think he's, he's good. I think he, he reminds me of like a Jerry Judy. Yeah. And don't forget, he set a record at Ohio state yep. for 35 touchdowns. In his and career. he only had three as a freshman. That means right. he had 32 touchdowns the past three years. So no, I was, that's what I was going to say, Sam. I didn't mean to interrupt you that yeah, you might not, Maybe you don't see certain things that are elite, but there's something to be said for being a playmaker and being effective in the red zone. If you have 35 touchdowns, yeah, and you know 32 of them the past three seasons, that's that's pretty productive. And if you're running the 4.39, he has great hands. I mean, there's a reason. Uh, 
SI.com's aligned with you, Mike. They actually have him ranked number five also. So you were spot on here um, with SI.com's aggregate ranking as well. I think he's probably, when I looked at the tape, all your top five guys, Mike, looked at the tape on all those guys. He looked like the most polished route runner to me as well. Got yeah. the job done there at Ohio State, even with Garrett Wilson there. I know Justin Fields wasn't there last year, but they were still still able to throw the ball pretty well. Um, this number four guy, I mean, this guy, I think his stock dropped a little bit after the combine, but still a monster, still someone people are very high on, still somebody you know is going to go in the first round, Mike, right? Yeah, man. And look, um, we're going to talk about a couple other guys after this dude, but there's really not a lot of people like Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Look, has the size. He doesn't have elite speed, but he has good speed. Uh, six foot two, 225 pounds. He's a, he's a big boy, okay? Uh, 1,100 yards. 11 touchdowns, 16.7 per clip. Anything above 15 to me is sick. Okay. Especially in Arkansas. So every time he catches the ball, it's almost 16 yards. That's ridiculous. He, to me, is the most like the um, Debo Samuel comparison. He's not Debo Samuel, but he is a run catch guy like Debo. Okay. He's a weapon. He's He's a less refined, more athletic Drake London, okay? And we'll get into Drake here soon. Um, his his attributes, 50-50 ball master. Throw the ball up, he's going to grab it. He's sick at playmaking. This guy's an athlete, okay? Can break tackles, okay? Like I just said, like the Debo, he can, you can hand the ball off to him. He'll take off. He's fearless, tremendous hands, and he's he'll just bowl you right over. And he is a yak monster yak monster maybe one of the best yak guys uh he's not the best one but he's one of the best in this class and um he's got uh like again the combination of size and uh six foot you know three 225 pounds like i said and his speed is there's not too many that have that like um he racked up all those uh yards by, at that height and speed size um and his the production level uh, uh, given where he played, the competition level was really, really good. But again, like I said, he doesn't really have elite, elite speed. He may take some time to develop at the next level. So he's a little bit raw as a prospect. So working with Zach Wilson is kind of, uh, do you want to have a raw wide receiver with a young quarterback that's building? So he wasn't really uh, given a full route tree to really become a master of. But uh, again, I think from an athlete, Perspective. This guy is uh, has a lot to offer and really could be a great weapon. And I got him at number four just based on his potential. Somebody that I think was ranked maybe a little higher before the combine. I know the 40 time, that straight line 40 time speed didn't excite people. I think it was around a four, five, five or something, Mike. That's right. Um, the vertical wasn't amazing for a wide receiver. But I mean, sometimes some of those measurables you got to throw out the window. I mean, go watch any of the games that if you look at some of the games this kid played last year i know arkansas is not the greatest team in the world but they play in the sec so they played alabama they played auburn they played all these great teams when they played alabama the kid had eight catch look at the big games they played look at the games he lined up against players that are going to be in the nfl you look at the you look at the big games he played versus the best teams that are in college football eight catches for 179 and two touchdowns versus alabama that's ridiculous yeah he had Nine catches, 109 yards, two touchdowns versus Auburn. Okay. He had, when they played Texas AM, Texas AM was ranked uh, seventh in the nation, six catches, a buck 67. You can go through the list. He had a whole bunch of great games. Like Mike's saying, he's basically a bull in the China shop, fearless type player. I know he's from Arkansas, always wanted to go to Arkansas, took one visit, right? Committed to Arkansas when he was a junior. Took no other visits anywhere else. It's the only place he wanted to play. Clemson wanted them. Alabama wanted them. All these schools wanted them. He only wanted to play at Arkansas and be close to home. Or else maybe he'd be someone that'd be a little bit more of a household name, Mike. But some tremendous games last year. Number four guy on SI.com. So once again, Mike, um, you're aligned with them. His yak is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Maybe maybe the 40 <laughs> times out there, I understand. But, I mean, this is someone that um, I did some research on him for a lot of different reasons. But for the show, obviously, for SCFL. Because Mike had him at number four. And I liked what I read because... Because what you read about him is, you know, he's not a self-promoter. Okay, he's a team guy. 
And you don't always see that with the wide receivers, but um, you like to hear that with someone as talented as him. I know that the stock might have dropped a little bit at the, the combine, but the combine's on everything. I mean, you got to look at the tape. You got to look at some of the intangibles the kid brings to the mix. That'd be an absolute steal if for any reason he got to the top of the second round. I don't think that would happen, Mike. It'd probably be someone I think by the end of the first round, he's going to be gone. Um, but I like him as your number four. I think that's a great pick, Mike. Yeah, man. The next guy is the one I'm the most excited about. The next guy... When I did the research and I found, cause I didn't know about him. Okay. I'll be honest with you. I heard this name, but I didn't really know. And then I sat down and I literally watched this kid's tape for an almost an hour. I, I didn't, there was no one else I watched as much tape on than this guy. Okay. And he made me feel like, you know what? Screw DK Metcalf, screw AJ Brown, screw Debo Samuel. You know what? Let's just freaking take two of these guys. Because this motherfucker, excuse my language, this dude right here is a freak, freak athlete. Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Now, I know many of you are going to be like, another one of these dudes, you know, same dude that went to the San Francisco 49ers uh, quarterback, Trey Lance. This guy's 6'4", 208 pounds, size He's a he's monstrous as far as the size perspective. There's this thing called a relative athletic score. It's called Ra's score. He rated out at a 9.99 top of the whole class. Okay. He's the freakiest athlete. I think he has the highest upside of any athlete in the draft, not just at receiver, in the entire draft. He runs a 4.36 at 6.4 and 208. He can jump out of the universe, this dude. Go turn on his tape. Go look at his receptions. You're, I don't care if he played at North Dakota. Just turn it on and look at what he does. This dude, he had 800 yards, seven touchdowns, averaged 18.7 yards per reception, this cat. Okay? has He has the best acceleration of anyone in the class. When he gets the ball... He takes off like he's on fire, like like something's up his butt, something's ripping him apart, like a, something's chasing him. It's insane, okay? His wow plays, like I said, are off the chart, okay? he, Like I said, he has the highest ceiling to me of anyone in the class. And his change of direction at full speed, not stop starting on a dime, like I said, of Chris Olave. I'm talking about he's going a million miles an hour this way, and then he goes a million miles an hour that way. Best. No, I don't see anybody making switches like that. That's like Barry Sanders' life, okay? Go turn on the... I'll, I will challenge anyone. Just go turn on a YouTube and watch Christian watching. He's long, rangy. He has excellent fluidity in his hips. He has explosiveness. He can line out outside. He could be a weapon inside. He's, he has incredible vision playmaking ability um and then when you think oh you know what well, he played in north Carolina. check out what he did at the senior bowl check out what he did with his contemporaries he showed his you know what and emerged as one of the best pass catchers in this class i will take this dude you know it, it, i i i feel like 10 would be obviously a reach just because of you know where he is but I'll be real with you. you know, if they took him at 10, I'd say, screw it. Like, just get him. You know what I'm saying? I'd love to grab this dude in the second round, okay? I, I was even saying, you know what? Let's just go grab one of these receivers in the round one and then grab Christian Watson in round two. That, that, that he's so, I think the ceiling is so high on this kid that, and again, negatives, he didn't really run a lot of routes. So he's going to need coaching from a refinement perspective. But I mean, he projects to be like a Mike Evans, a Chase Claypool. That's the type of athlete that this kid is. I am so excited about Christian Watson. Sammy, let me ask you. You seem to be really high on him also. I see SI.com has him ranked number nine, and they have him as a late first, early second projection, basically what Mike just said just now. Um, you also a big fan of here as one of the top three receivers in this class? Yeah, absolutely. I think he is the most talented guy. I mean, listen, there there are other guys out there more refined, probably more pro ready, but this dude, there's something special about him. I mean, he had some injuries uh, two years ago, 
but his sophomore season and his senior season almost identical in terms of yards, touchdowns, and he can run the football. He had all three years, he had plus 100 yards rushing too. So this guy, not only, like Mike said, can line up inside, outside, but he can also be that dude who gets a jet sweep and takes it for 10 yards, right? He's a guy who is is a, a nice addition because, you know, a lot of speed is a premium in the NFL nowadays, but I think people miss out on, like, the solidity of a, having a dude like Mike Evans for 10 years, right? Gotcha. And allowing a guy like Chris Godwin to shine when you have a dude like Mike Evans who's a freak of nature. So you add a guy like this with this potential, you give him some refinement. Hopefully he has a better work ethic than one Denzel Mims that Mike mentioned on his scouting report, right? And I think you've got a recipe for success. Like if he can learn those routes and get into that system, there's no reason why this guy can't be super successful in the NFL. Absolutely. And what Mike and Sammy are getting to with the athletic ability is, you know, he had the sixth fastest, um, the sixth highest vertical jump. And he's already six foot four, the kid, right? The sixth fastest 40 time. He had the number one broad jump of anybody who attended the combine. Forget the position, any position. Okay, you can't teach that type of athleticism. We spoke about this last week in regards to other things. Also, his hands 10 and 1 eighth inch, pretty big hands, has a long wingspan. All these things you look for in a receiver, he has all of them. So I know what Mike's talking about. Also, his dad played in the NFL. So this is somebody who comes from good stock already. We know that. Um, I think nobody's stock, as far as I can tell, no receiver's stock has risen more since that senior bowl. I think the senior bowl, kind of like Mike said, that kind of put him on the map because we can say whatever we want about North Dakota State, but when he had to go up against the other B seniors that are heading into this draft that play at much bigger schools, he showed that he was one of the better receivers in the nation. Maybe not a name people know, but I think by draft day, people will. I think he's someone that's going to go – I saw some of these late first, early seconds, Mike. I think by the time the draft comes, he's going to be someone taken in the first round for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. The only two guys I had higher than him, Keith and Sammy and Nick, I, I couldn't, I could not do AEBG listeners wrong and put Watson above a guy like Drake London. I, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't, even though Watson is a better athlete than Drake London. I couldn't do it because Drake London, 6'4", 219, this guy has the best size of any receiver in the draft. He, he is big. I mean, arms, legs, all over the place, okay? Um, from what I saw, he may be one of the best, maybe the best prospect at 50-50 balls. I mean, he, when he's in the air, what he can do with his body to position himself to grab a ball over a a combative defensive back is really unmatched and it's unfortunate this guy he did have some good production only on a limited amount of games 10 over a thousand yards seven touchdowns 12.3 per clip but uh he he went down with an ankle last year but before he went down 88 catches this guy had in that span and one thing i really like about him drake london is that he's like a volume receiver he he's he's a great safety net for a guy like zach wilson um his best traits um is that again his size his leaping ability to play the ball in the air and ha and his tremendous strength and body control holding the ball throughout the catch he understands attack leverage and has great hip fluidity for his size and he's a special route runner for his size now remember he played in the air raid offense so there wasn't really a lot of opportunities for him to run a ton of routes but even in that limited sample set his route running is off the charts it's spectacular um there's no doubt that he could play inside outside but i want to make sure that you guys understand what i'm saying about him remember what i said about speed alec pierce he he's blown by but he's not doesn't really have that great get off well, Drake London does have great get-off. He does have great quickness. He does immediately make that defensive back not happy and feel out of place. But the problem with him is that he doesn't have that burner speed. So, yes, he'll position himself right off the get-off to where he can be, uh, be able to catch a ball. And he, But he didn't show an, the best ability to separate which is why he's not my number one. Um, and his yak is not something that was really, you know, Trey, uh, you know, uh, um, what's his name? Burks is a better yak guy than, than he is. But I'll say this, Daniel Jeremiah and Joe Douglas 
both came up together under the Eagles. And Jeremiah always talks about starting a team, uh, making your wide receiver room look like a basketball team. And a guy like Drake with Elijah and the way the receiving room is built now would make a lot of sense because he's a guy that we, because of that incredible catch radius and that toughness and that volume, he's a guy that Zach will go to time and time and time again. Yeah, maybe he may not be a home run hitter, but he's going to get those first downs. He's going to get those really important yards. He's going to get open. And then when he's in the end zone, you know, hitting the back shoulder fades option, he's going to be a, a, a weapon, you know, potentially for Zach. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a problem taking Drake London, but I just want everyone to understand he's kind of the guy I compare him to is Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas doesn't have elite speed, but the guy can catch, he can run slants, he can get people off guard. Okay. He's kind of, he's kind of like that. He's definitely to me, a better prospect than a guy like Mike Williams or T Higgins. So that's what you're getting with Drake London. He's my number two prospect. I, again, I wouldn't be angry taking him, um, at, but it's just he's not that home run hitter, not like a guy like potentially like Watson or some of the other people we spoke about. Yeah, and I know when he came into the league, I think um, Mike Evans ran like a 4-5-5 five, five or something like that. So I know speed is, means a lot to the smaller receivers, to a guy like London. It's As long as he's fast enough to be a, a step ahead or right in the exactly. range of those cornerbacks, he's going to get the ball. Exactly. I mean, he showed it to you in college with the contested catches. He was absolutely amazing. And if you look at what Mike said, he only played eight games last year, 88 catches in eight games. So you prorate that over 13 games, give him another five games. That's 1,755 yards and 143 catches. He was averaging 11 catches and 135 yards a game before he hurt his ankle. So the production was there regardless of speed. He was absolutely dominating Pac-12 player of the year last year. I know the vertical, the strength, like you said, Mike, leads you to think he's the type of receiver. Sammy said this a moment ago when we were talking about Christian Watson. The type of guy that you need on the squad is a dude. I mean, this kind of goes without saying, right? Everyone would love to have a Mike Evans on their team. But they don't come around this often, this type of size skills and tangibles off the field everything with drake london seems like he's someone that wherever he goes he's going to be super productive you see him right at the top of the draft here right in the top 10 so we know this is a super elite prospect you think going in next year what we have on paper right now is elijah moore we have barrios we have corey davis this is a unique player that we would be inserting into the offense we don't have a guy like this and most teams don't so you add a guy like drake london to the squad get inside the red zone and you run a two tight end package with him and you have two six five tight ends and you have drake london by the red zone that's going to be problems with people so um i mean this is you have him one or two to me mike would have been great but i definitely think this is one of the best receivers in the draft agreed he wasn't my number one though my number one receiver to me is unquestioned unquestionably the number one receiver in this class and i loved him before the injury um, and so after the injury, I didn't really do a lot of homework into him. After I did the homework, Jamison Williams is a better playmaker than Jalen Waddle. He's a faster Jerry Judy. He's a stronger Devontae Smith. Okay. Last year, he averaged 20 yards per reception, 19.9 to be accurate. He has rare ability to make tacklers miss this guy routinely would catch balls at the five six yard line and just take it for 15 20 yards it's just exploding through tack it's not just the fact that he was able to run the routes and catch but it was the fact that he just made people miss all over the damn field and there's nobody in this class that was bad if he came out last year he would have been the number two receiver behind chase young he was better than all those guys last year Okay, this is what we're talking about. Explosiveness off the release. Okay, Yak, top SEC competition. He was the best receiver in the SEC. Okay, he plays stronger than his size. He has that start-stop ability, just like Olave. So not only does he have the start-stop ability, but he has this explosiveness. He has the Yak. He has better playmaking ability than anybody in the draft. Breaking tackles. And the tape... When you look at his tape, it is the most impressive of anyone. 
Watson is close is is impressiveness just because of his size and the speed but when you just look at straight up ball making you know going out there and just being a beast there's nobody out he's a savage when he has the ball in his hands okay um and his traits like i said are rare he has acceleration vision through the catch point okay he also is not scheme specific so he'll be perfect in the Shanahan offense. And uh, right after that get off, he has that explosive short area quickness, which is what makes him extremely dynamic in space. That's what makes all these people miss. And he has the ability to catch in stride as the ball is coming through. He doesn't slow down. He's able to be at that speed, catch the ball. And then he has that rare ability to take it to the next level. I'm sure you guys know, like a Tyreek Hill, he catches it, he's running, and then he like goes super sane. It's like Sonic the Hedgehog when you get the six emeralds, you know what I'm saying? Like, he just takes the hell off, okay? And the negative with him was that he tore his ACL in the in the last year in the college playoffs. And everyone was really scared about that. But Schefter says, Adam Schefter says he's going to be ready for training camp. And I've already seen tape. You know, looking good. If I'm Joe Douglas, this is what I'm doing. I'm checking his medical. I'm making sure everything is good with that knee. And I'm taking him at 10, period. Period. I'll tell you what, Michael. I read today the Jets do have Jameson Williams scheduled for a pre-draft visit. That's a good sign there. We might be heading to grab him at number 10. You know what I thought was interesting? 1,572 yards last year, 15 TDs, which is just bonkers. When you think of the competition they have at Alabama to be that number one, you got to be pretty good to get put into that position he put himself in. Previous two years, he's a transfer from Ohio State. In 2019, 2020, 15 catches combined. Those two. What was Ohio State doing? How can this guy, what are you doing? I understand this guy's on this list. Garrett Wilson's one of them. Olave is one of them. Maybe he wasn't going to get the looks. But how can this guy be this good and you let him go to Alabama? That, to me, is mind-boggling. But just getting back to your, your boy here, Jameson William, the, the injury is a concern just because all the explosiveness and all the greatness that we saw was pre-injury. So there's that gray area where you don't know what's going to happen, right? But I think if there was no injury, no ACL tear at the end of the season, I think he would have been the consensus number one wide receiver to most to most people. Wouldn't have been Garrett Wilson, it wouldn't have been Drake London. I think Jamison Williamson, Jamison Williams would have been the guy. If you look at the second half of last season and what he was doing to teams, he destroyed LSU. The first time they played Georgia, not the national championship game where he got hurt, but the first time he almost had 200 yards. So he was ripping teams apart. I know Alabama's a machine. Um, but this guy seems to have every single intangible that you want in a number one receiver. We know it all, guys. He looks tremendous. But let me ask the Wookiee, the injury concern. If it's a guy who's ranked number one, looks amazing, um, you've seen him be great, you've seen the speed, you've seen the catches, you've seen the agility, tears his ACL, didn't do, obviously couldn't participate in the combine. Um, is that something that he's young enough that you say, screw it, if he's there at number 10, take a chance anyway? Or you think he's someone that might slide further towards the back of the first round, Wook? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, as Mike said, you got to be checking in with them throughout the entire time between now and when you're going to make a draft. But if you're impressed enough with this kid and because of how young he is, obviously, these, these college kids, they rebound from almost everything now um, because of the training that they're getting. Um, I think you, you can't go wrong taking them 10. I mean, it's an ACL. It's not like it's a um, Achilles or, or something like that. Injuries, ACLs, knee injuries, the way that they've been rehabbed and done, you know, as we've gotten more and more advanced with everything like that, I don't think you should be afraid. If, if, if that kid's available at 10, unless something this offseason scares you for whatever reason, I, I mean, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't still be the, the first receiver taken. Yeah, and every body is different. And Willis McGay, he proved it a long time ago. I Man, he tore his ACL, gets drafted, plays a whole long-ass NFL career. Um, let me ask you, Sammy, if you were doing your top one or two guys – would you have London ahead of Williams just because of that injury situation? Or do you think Jamison Williams is one of the best or the best prospect in the draft? Who do you have in number one? I think Jamison Williams is the number one guy, honestly. Um, I would, again, and, I, and I'll go back to this every time because from the coaching perspective, this is where my mind goes, is it all really depends on what you want. You know what I mean? Like, do you want that big bruiser dude who's going to be the red zone threat? Or do you want a guy who's going to change the way that you run your offense because he's so dynamic as a receiver. I don't really see how any team turns that down, in all honesty. 
because of the way he's able to explode. And if he comes to the workout and he looks good and he has that speed that Mike was talking about earlier, then it's a no brainer. You know, if he looks a little slow or a little weary to cut on that knee or that leg, then maybe you second guess that a little bit. But I think if he looks healthy and he's cutting and moving like he did prior to that knee injury, it's a no brainer. All right, Mike, she's in agreement with you, Mike, with your number one. There's a few other guys Mike has as honorable mentions. They didn't make the top 10. You'll probably see them drafted at some point, maybe day two, day three guys here. Mike, um, one of the guys on your list I liked a lot of the honorable mentions was someone that people might not know the best, Jalen Tolbert. He went to South Alabama, the Sun Belt Conference. You know, they don't play anyone good in that conference either. Similar to a lot of guys we mentioned today, maybe the competition wasn't there, um, but definitely his production was. He had almost 1,500 yards last year. That was sixth in the nation. A guy that had over 140 yards in half the games he played last year. Has the routes, has the speed, everything. Mike has decent size, 6'1", 194. And another guy I want to throw in as my own honorable mention too, Mike, is Calvin Austin the third from Memphis. Now, his production was decent last year. Um, the past two years combined, 2,100 yards, 19 touchdowns. But at the combine, now I know he's not the biggest guy. This is a gadget guy. I understand. This is not somebody necessarily that you're going to draft in the, the first round or the second round. But I'm just looking towards maybe if we don't if, if they're going to draft more than one wide receiver, I can see this being a second guy we grip up. Because you look at what Calvin Austin the third did at the combine, he had the third highest vertical, third fastest forty time, and the fastest cone drill of any player. So this is a freak athlete here as well. Do you guys have anyone else you want to throw on the list as an honorable mention? I I really like I you know I know he didn't build off of it too much, but I think George Pickens is one of those guys as well that suffered from injury. Um, never really kind of put it together, but he's got the size, the frame, the speed. I think it could be do some damage. A lot of these guys with these injuries remind me a lot of uh, our boys at ND, Jalen Smith, right? Who was like yep. a top number one middle linebacker coming out of college, tears his ACL, gets scooped up in the third round, has a great career. So, you know, you never know with some of these guys, but I really like Pickens. Yeah, Pickens is someone that had his best season as a freshman. 2020 was so-so and then tore his ACL. So he's a total, he's somebody that might be, he's like, he reminds me of like Stephen Hill situation. That's why it frightens me, Sammy, because the production's not there. It ju it's just a prospect and a projection, you know. But when you look at the size, you got the, you got the sizes, you got the speed. Uh, Mike, who are some of the guys on your list here as some honorable mentions? So uh, another guy to me that uh, intrigues me, um, we talked, a, I talked a little bit about Khalil Shakir. Um, David Bell had a horrific, uh, he had a horrific combine. He ran in the, I think, 4-7 or something terrible. Um, but he's, he reminds me, honestly, of Corey Davis. Um, not the greatest athlete. He's a little bit slow, but his production is impressive. And when you look at his ability to catch, check out his tape. He's got pretty impressive tape. Also, another guy would be John Menchie. Uh, from Alabama. I know that he has some injury concern. He got hurt, but this guy's a slot dude, tough dude, route technician. Um, again, an injury concern, but in the right system, I think I think he could uh, he could do somebody well. And then you got in the last guy I like from a run catch perspective is uh, Wandell Robinson. Um, he's like that uh, Traylon Burks type, you know, where you can you know, use him as a different weapon. He had a bad 40, bad 10 yard split, bad acceleration, you know, not really, you know, I know his stock dropped a bit, but, um, you know, his tape is pretty good. And uh, he what he did have the second best production in the SEC uh, behind Jameson Williams. Um, so those are some guys that uh, made my honorable mention. All right, everybody. So we hope we did a sufficient job informing you of these receivers that could end up on the Jets day one or day two. That's Mike's top 10, plus a few other little guys sprinkled in there. Mike, that was tremendous work by you. I got to give you some Absolutely. kudos there. Great job. I think all those guys are great receivers. I'd be happy to have a lot of those guys, many of the guys that you mentioned there, to help the team out. If we can get that big, athletic, giant just toss the ball up to i don't even remember the last time we had a guy like that at the wide receiver position that'd be tremendous but anybody that can help zach wilson be as good as humanly possible that's all jet fans want whatever the mixture is whatever the combination is whatever the player is it's going to help zach out the most next year that's all jet fans want okay it before the draft comes they trade for another veteran that's great but they have to add one of these playmakers in the drafts you know it's hopefully hopefully it's one of these guys in mike's top five so once again my kudos so you did a great job all right everybody 
That's all we got for you this week at the wide receiver position. We covered edge last week. We got you on the wide receivers this week. That leads us into next week, part one of Mock Madness. If you go back and you take a gander at the previous two Mock Madness editions of AEBG, pretty good job by your boys here, okay? So far as picking picks go, predicting picks, inexact science, but we did better than Mel Kuyper, and we did better than Tom McShay. All right, you can both kiss my ass. Me and Mike destroyed you when it comes to the draft. Um, and next week's part one, guys. So let everybody know, Michael, where they can love us, support us, listen to us, and get at the ABG world. Well, guys, we're on YouTube. Please like us, give a listen. We really appreciate it. We're on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio on Twitter at AEBG underscore MYJ podcast and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, on behalf of the greatest tight end in Division One history, Nicholas Cronk, and on behalf of the number one high school football coach of the nation today, my name's Keith Farrell. Get at you next week, everybody. Peace out.